is amazing. Worship is amazing. Magnifying the Lord is amazing. It is an honor to be with you. It's an honor to be a child of the living God, not a dead God, not a historical God. I serve the living God. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's been written about me that I am innocent in the sight of God. Heaven now writes about me. They don't write about my past. They write about who I now am as a child of God. It is an honor to be with you. I'm surprised that some of you came back. Um, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You have amazing pastors. I'm so, I love them so much. They're uh, such a gift. You know, I'm amazed at the people that come into our office from all over the world, uh, completely in spite of me, it's just the grace of God. I love what I get to do each and every day. I love to be able to just shine and be a son of the living God. I love being here. I will love driving home. I will love hanging out with patients. I love being with you. There's no hierarchy in my life. It's just Jesus. He's amazing. I could have sat there in the back and just worshiped Jesus and been completely content. More than content. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning and I just thank you for what you've already done. I thank you for what you continue to do. I thank you that you never stop working, Lord, that you're always working, Lord, that you are working now in the midst of the situations and the circumstances of life. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that nothing is too hard for you. I thank you for your grace that is sufficient even in the midst of our weakness. I thank you that your power is made perfect, Lord, even in the midst of the vulnerable areas of our life. I honor you, I bless you, I magnify you, I glorify you this morning. Spirit of God, we welcome you. Come and have your way. Take over. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that your love was solidified when you sent your only begotten son, who you love so much for the sake of us, because you loved us that much. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we have an example, that you are the reality of heaven, the word of God that became flesh. You are truth, you are our reality. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that we're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with you, Lord Jesus. Spirit of God, I thank you that you are our comforter, that you are He who's come to reveal the reality of who we now are as children of God. I thank you for your power, dunamis, dynamite, miracle-working power of God. I thank you that that power is right now flowing in this place. I thank you for those that are watching. The spirit of the living God is flowing right now, Lord, in our midst. 
Lord, is burning up everything that's not of you, every mindset contrary to truth. You said we shall know truth, and truth will set us free. I thank you, Lord, that no one needs me to lay hands on them this morning. We simply need the revelation of who we are as children of God. Lord, that you would set us free this morning. Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the word of the living God. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for being quickened this morning for your glory. Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for everything that's taking place right now in our midst. I thank you that you're never present help in a time of need. There's nothing too hard for you. The situations that we came in with this morning, Heavenly Father, I thank you for those answers that we are looking for. You are the answer for our life. Jesus is our answer. We do not have a problem. Jesus, you are the reality of our new life. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, at the name of Jesus and the reality of who we now are as children of God, that every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus, you are our authority. I thank you that every spirit of cancer in infirmity and disease must bow its knee to the name of Jesus Christ right now for the glory of God. I thank you that every spirit of poverty must bow its knee now to the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the reality of our life that you are a shepherd. You are God. Lord, we shall not want. We're not in need of anything because it's been fulfilled at the cross of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that not only did you redeem us and redeem us from ourselves, but Lord, you removed the effects of sin, Heavenly Father. The love, sin and death, Lord. The sickness and disease, poverty and lack, Lord. A lack of peace. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you paid for it at the cross. I release that word now in the name of Jesus Christ. Be it unto your servants according to your word. Let them be magnified, Lord, in the pros- Lord, be magnified in the prosperity of your servants in the name of Jesus Christ. I just see that there's someone, whether you're watching or whether you're in this room right now, that in your left ear there's been a deafness, there's been a ringing, there's been a, a tonight in your ear, and the Lord's just taking care of that right now, simply because that's who he is. He's our answer. We walk by the revelation of who we are as children of God, not by sight, not by what we feel. That's not our reality. The reality is the kingdom of God. I thank you right now that cataracts are dissolving in the name of Jesus Christ. I see a TMJ specifically on the right side right now. That jaw is being restored. That mandible, that maxilla is being restored. The inflammation is coming out of that joint in the name of Jesus Christ. There's someone that's debilitating arthritis right now that those pain pathways are being, Lord, just subsiding right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that inflammation is leaving now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's someone right now you've struggled with eating an eating disorder. God is taking care of that now in the name of Jesus Christ. He's allowing you to realize that you are beautiful in the sight of the living God. Your life was established at the cross, and you are now, you are daughter of the living God. There's someone here right now, and you have ulcers, or you have something going on in your, in your stomach. God is touching that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I see someone with a left hip disorder, like a, uh, like a sciatica on that left hip, that left hip is degenerated. God has given you a brand new hip now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's someone that's coming in here today with severe sinus pressure, pain in, in your forehead, over your eyes. God is, is just, is right now it's leaving in the name of Jesus Christ. There's someone here that's coming with severe depression, severe anxiety. Right now God is saying that he is your hope, he is your protector, he is your banner and your strong 
strong tower. He's your refuge and strength. And he says, I'm removing that yoke from your life in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's someone in here right now and you have a skin issue, eczema, psoriasis, and God says, I'm giving you brand new skin in the name of Jesus Christ. Someone's come in and there's infection in your lungs and there's this, this is anxiety about COVID and everything else. Let me tell you this, that God is touching your lungs, that, that your respiratory rate is being restored, your oxygen level is being restored in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, there's people that are being infused with the power of the living God. And you will go from here and you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That you will go and you will prophesy, that you will see people according to their worth and value. You'll see them according to your destiny. And the, the healing virtue and the gifts of healing are manifesting right now and being imparted to you in a way that you've never experienced before. For some of you, there's a gift of prophecy, a gift words of knowledge that are being released in your spirit right now. It comes from the living God, from who you are as a child of God. It is not mustered up. It's not something we have to perform. It's simply imparted by the living God. We are children of the living God, and I honor you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is amazing, let me just tell you. He is amazing. Ooh, Jesus. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Today, tomorrow, the next day, and forever and ever and ever. Let's just get happy in Jesus. Why wouldn't you be happy in Jesus? Why would you wake up confused about today? I am not confused about today. My God reigns. Jesus is alive. He's come to conquer sin, death, and the grave once and forever. Lord, we are children of the living God. That it makes you, if that doesn't make you happy, I don't know what will. If you are more happy based on who gets elected president than you are as a child of God, we got an issue. Jesus. Jesus. Do I feel like right now I'm in India or Pakistan right now just saying Jesus? And right now when I say Jesus, every knee must bow, every demon must go, every demon must flee in the name of Jesus Christ. So good, Jesus. Just Jesus. Nothing else that you'd say, what happened? Jesus. He happened 2,000 years ago, he happened 10,000 years ago, and he's happening today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I serve the living God. I'm not telling you about a historical event that took place 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about a present day event that's taking place right now in Moravian Falls. Jesus is alive. Two or more gathered in his name concerning anything, he is here. My friends, Jesus Christ is here. He is your answer. Anything you need, you can simply call out to him right now and say, Jesus, I'm here. I surrender to the reality of who you are. I repent for putting my confidence in a different reality. That's not my reality. I was redeemed from that reality. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. I walk by the reality of heaven on the earth. Jesus. Jesus. When you leave tonight, we leave this afternoon, tonight, made your pastors very, very nervous. Very nervous. Tonight, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. I won't tell you, I went to one church years ago. I'm a chiropractor. Actually, I'm a son. I just happen to be a chiropractor and get to express myself that way every once in a while, four days a week. I went to a church years ago and miracles broke out and we went back that night and 
I went back every day for 21 days. I saw patients during the day till 6.30, traveled the 30 minutes over to the church and from 7 to 10 every single night. First night, the whole place got laid out in the spirit. A thousand people laid out in the spirit. At 21 days, the pastor came up to me and gave me the keys to the church. He says, the church is yours. I stopped it that day. That's not what I'm called to. I'm simply a son of the living God that gets to express himself for the glory of God. Not so the church can simply be here and be content in themselves and feel like they're elite, but that's so that we can empower, be empowered to go and expose the world's worth and value in Christ and so that we can see a world washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So there's, there's a copy of a book called The Joseph Blessing. It's something that I wrote years ago. I'd encountered with the Lord in 2004. I was in Arusha, Tanzania. I walked and talked to Jesus for four hours. In fact, there was 10 of us in a room. <clears throat> I'd just been baptized in the Holy Spirit a month or two before. Never knew anyone that was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I just became hungry for the Spirit of God. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. I come from a very conservative background. In fact, my great-grandparents brought the Bible to the headhunters of Nagaland, India. Nagaland was all headhunters and cannibals. And my great-grandparents, in 1912, they just got married, traveled four months to Nagaland, India from Minnesota. My great-grandfather was a linguistics specialist. And he was called to translate the Bible because in the mid-1800s, an early missionary went to Nagaland and all he had was a cross. He shared the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, that the cross was not there to expose a person as a sinner. In fact, the cross was there as an indictment against the sin that had defined our life. It was there to expose the fact that this world had worth and value and was found in Jesus Christ. As a result, well, let me just go this way. Early missionaries would go with a cross and they would share the message of Jesus with a cross because of the language barrier. Many of the Nagas began to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And word got to the chiefs of some of the tribes and they didn't like all the attention this missionary from America was getting with this cross. And so they gathered the missionary and his family and they took him in front of all a tribe of Nagas, and they took his bamboo cross and they put it 100 yards in the distance. They forced the missionary to the ground. They said, crawl on your knees to that cross. When you get to that cross, I want you to break that cross over your knee, and if you do, we'll spare your life. First missionary, they pushed him on the ground. He crawled over to that cross, and instead of breaking it over his knee, he lifted it up and said, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, and they cut his head off. That's actually where that song came from. They took his wife with her husband dead, forced her on the ground, made her crawl over to this cross, break it over her knee, but instead of breaking it over her knee, she lifted it up too and says, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, and they cut her off, cut her head off, and instantly a naga picked up that 
cross, lifted up and says, I've too decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, cut his head off one after another. And all of a sudden there's so much bloodshed and one of the head tribesmen said, hold on, hold on, hold on. We've never seen anything like this before. Every time someone lifts, picks up that cross, they're willing to lay down your, their life. We are headhunters, we take lives, there's power in the cross. I want that power that it was allowed me to lay down my life and instantly he gave his life to Christ. One after another, the Nagas began to respond to Christ and now my great grandparents were brought over in 1912 to translate the 17 tribal languages into one and translate the Bible. Nagaland is now the only Christian state of India of 2 million people, 1.8 million profess Christ. My great-grandfather was brought over to translate the Bible with them, established the church in 1912 is when he did it. 2012, I was invited with Billy Graham to be the keynote speaker of the 100-year anniversary of my great-grandparents establishing the church in Nagaland. Billy was sick at the time, so Anne Graham Lotz was there, and the Spirit of God began to move in that place of 20,000 that had gathered. It's amazing what God's doing. What's interesting is that that people group has prayed every day since 1912 for Joseph Tanquist's descendants, which is my great-grandfather, his descendants to be used to win the world to Christ starting in India. It's not because of me, it's the fervent prayers of the righteous that availeth much. It's simply the grace of God. I didn't choose this, but he chose us, and he appointed us to bear fruit for the glory of God. And now as a result, I have an encounter with the Lord in Arusha, Tanzania in 2004. I walk and talk with Jesus. He says, I'm going to give you 100 million souls in person, a billion through the media. I will give you the nations of the earth as your inheritance and as your playground. I am the least qualified of anybody. You would not stand me up. I'm not a pastor. I'm simply a son of the living God. And if God can use me, I promise you, he can use you. It's Jesus. So I write about, in the midst of it, years after that encounter, all I'd thought about was the harvest for going to bed at night, waking up in the morning, wondering while I was still a chiropractor and why people from all over the world came to our office and then in the Minneapolis airport, Terminal C, about 10 years ago, I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, you said you'd be my source. I will gladly die for you, but I'm not going to beg people to be a part of the harvest. And he says, instantly in that moment, he said, I'm going to give you the power, the wisdom, the revelation strategy to create wealth, to advance my kingdom. I will give you a billion dollars for a billion souls. And so I, in the midst of it, he says, I will give you the seven keys to walking out the destiny that I've given you. There's a destiny in each and every one of you. Those who delight themselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. He bursts within us. He impregnates us with vision, with desire, with the dreams of heaven. Why does he impregnate us? Because he knows this, the things that we give birth to we're most passionate about. It's like we're always, my son, my second of four boys is sitting over here. I'm very passionate about him. I would die for him in a second. But I gave birth to him. Sometimes we get so excited about our church because God's birthing something in us and then we're a little bit offensive about someone else's church. Let me tell you this, you should celebrate what God's birthing in other people's lives. You should celebrate the anointing on their life because God is not a duplicator, he's not a replicator, he's a creator and there's enough to go around for everybody. I don't need somebody else's seconds when I have the first from the living God. It's amazing to me that people are, are offended or a little bit envious of other people's fruit in, in their lives. In fact, so envious that they would rather have someone's second, someone's 30 seconds, let me tell you this, God wants to give you the very first of him. He's a creator. 
and he desires to create something very special within you. And so the Joseph blessing is simply the seven keys that God gave me to walk out your destiny, the peaks and the valleys and the midst of it. And so I called up a, one of my best friends named Jordan Rubin. He wrote The Maker's Diet. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He started the company Garden of Life. He's brilliant. And I knew that Joseph was something that the Lord's placed on his heart as well. And so he agreed to write the Joseph blessing with me. TBN last month in the month of July, I was told, made it their gift for the month of July worldwide. I was, and we're getting testimony after testimony of people who'd been encouraged by it. There's a free copy, a signed copy. Signed copy probably made it less valuable, but there's a signed copy that I signed out on the table outside. Those are for you. You don't have to pay for them. It's simply a gift for allowing me to come be a part of your life for this season that we're in. Um, Jesus. Tonight, uh, to this afternoon, I'm going to share from the Passion Translation of the Bible. How many of you have read the Passion Translation of the Bible? Just a great, enjoyable read to get to know Jesus Christ. Has anyone not read the Passion Translation of the Bible? Ma'am, right there behind the pink shirt. Yep, have your hand up right there. Yep, right there. You're looking behind you, but I see you. Yeah, come up here real quick, and I'll give you a copy of the Passion Translation. It's just the New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, and Song of Solomon. So there you go, ma'am. I think you'll really enjoy it, okay? It's awesome. So, Jesus, uh, it's written in there just to bless you. May his life be our passion, it says. Jesus' life be our passion. Would you mind grabbing me a chair, somebody, right there, and just put it on the stage, if that's okay, if that's not too much of an inconvenience for you? Jesus, he's the way, the truth, and the life. He is my reality, the reality of my life. Perfect, right there, brother. Thank you, man. This morning, I want to go a few places with you. It's just something that the Lord placed on my heart when I was sitting over there today. I don't have notes. I shared with someone I haven't had notes in 18 years because the Lord says, if you don't fall in love with me and experience intimacy with me, then the world doesn't really need what you have. You can give every sermon under the sun, write every notes under the sun, it's not gonna change people's lives. But if you fall in love with me and allow them to get the overflow, it will change them. And so I pray that you receive that this morning. In Colossians 1.5, in the Passion, it says this, Your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm. Faith and love rise within you as you access your inheritance. Faith and love. Faith is the vantage point of heaven where the reality of heaven is the reality of my life which I'm fully convinced of. I know I'm living in faith because the litmus test is I'm at complete peace in the midst of the storms of life. If I'm not at complete peace in the storms of life, that means I'm faithless. Call a spade a spade. It's not condemning. It's not judgmental. It's just saying, hey, come in that moment, come boldly into the the throne of grace to attain grace and mercy in a time of need. Faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm. Love is the reality of my new life and the nature of my new life as a child of God. Love is the most excellent way. I know we say it, 1 Corinthians 13, when people are getting married, love is patient and kind, long-suffering. All that's saying is not that, hey, when you get married, make this. It's saying that's the reality of our life. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit, which are amazing. 
But then in the last verse of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, but there's a more excellent way. And then it goes on to 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about it's the chapter of love. That is our new nature in Christ. That is supposed to be our new nature in Christ. That's what Jesus came to redeem us into, the nature of God. In Genesis it says, God came together and says, let's make man in our own image, in the image and likeness of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not, not a replacement of the Father. The Holy Spirit's not a replacement of Jesus Christ. Many people go to Jesus. Some people go to the Holy Spirit. Very few go to the Father. But Paul talks about in Colossians and Philippians and Ephesians that you know the love of your Father. Why is that important? Because it's my Father that establishes me and my worth, value, and identity as a son or a daughter. He's the one that establishes me and fills me in all the rooms of my life. It's a blessed life. A blessed life is not I have a big, a nice car and a big house. A blessed life is there's no more empty rooms in my life. All those things that I fill my life with and my heart with that I got identity from in the past before Christ are, no, are now gone. That's why David says, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting uproot those things in my heart, uproot those things in my heart that I've filled my life with, that I found identity in. Let me tell you this, for the body of Christ, a very scary thing is to find your identity in what you do for God. If I find my identity in the fact that I'm an evangelist, that is a fleeting, that is a sorry place to live because then I'm only as good as how things are going in my life. If I find my identity from the fact that I'm a doctor or how many people I see or how many people I've been in front of, that is a very dangerous place to be because if you like me, I feel good. If you don't like me, I feel bad and I'm only as good as the circumstances around me. That is a a pathetic place to live. But in Christ, I uproot all those things that I once found identity in. Jesus came to redeem that, not who, that which was lost. What was lost? Identity. Being a son of the living God, walking in the image and likeness of Christ, which is love. It's selfless. It takes no record of wrong. I walked with God in the cool of the day. That's Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. It was the intent, the original intent for man to be love. Not in need because of Adam's sin. In Genesis 3, it says through one man's sin, sin came into the world. And what was the first evidence of the fall of man? Man said, Adam said, it's her fault. The evidence that you don't know who you are in Christ is you live at other people's expense for your benefit. The gospel, unfortunately, has been perverted in such a way that we think that we simply, the gospel is I pray a prayer to get to heaven one day, and now as a result, I live hell on earth, and I think Jesus is my sugar daddy, that he's my genie in a bottle, that he's my butler, so to speak, there to just meet my needs. Jesus, where are you? Like, aren't you going to come through with it? Like, I'm your child. Aren't you there to endorse my self-centered life? We might not say it out of our mouth, but that's how we live our life, and we look at other people with disdain. We look at other people with a different lifestyle. We look at them with disdain because we've arrived, even though while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Not because I deserved it, but because my life was created with destiny and Jesus came to unlock destiny in my life. The living God wants to unlock destiny with with every single soul 
on the earth right now. They were, they were created with potential. The original intent for their life was the image of God. They've been spinning their wheels, trying to find identity, but only Jesus can establish identity. Only a creator has a right to define his creation. He calls me son. I was a lost son before Christ came, and now I've been redeemed back into sonship. I'm now a son of the living God, restored to innocence once again. So I'm going back to Colossians 1.5, it says, your faith, your perspective, and love, the reality of your new nature, rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly places. Verse six, for the revelation of the true gospel, how do I access my inheritance? Through the gospel. But I thought the gospel was something I did 20 years ago. Now I just need self-help. Now I need the way that seems right to a man. Now I want you to make me feel good, pastor. For the revelation of the true gospel is as real today as the day you first heard of our glorious hope, now that you have believed in the truth of the gospel. How do I access the treasures of my inheritance? Through the gospel. Paul says, I know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. Nothing else matters. Everything in my life is defined by who I now am now that Christ has come. In fact, the reality of my life, truth in Christ is established at the cross. That's what defines my life. This new reality, I'm born again into this new reality. That's the reality of my life. And every day I go back to the gospel. I don't wake up and go, yeah, I know about the gospel. Do you know about the gospel? Because if I look at the fruit of your life, not the words of your mouth, the fruit of your life, I'll see very quickly if the gospel has become the essence of your life. Not I'm going to heaven one day. No, heaven has man- is, desires to manifest in your life the nature of God, the reality of God. He desires it to manifest in your life. Your faith and love rise within you as you access the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly places. Here's the reality. The blood of his cross in 1 Corinthians, or actually Colossians 1.20, and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. That is redemption, a restoration back to innocence. Heaven now writes about you. They said you're perfect. I'm reminded of in, Gen- in Genesis, maybe, Abraham, Sarah, right? Many instances it says they didn't believe. Like if you go read back the story in Genesis and you'll find that Abraham didn't have faith. Sarah didn't have faith. She actually laughed and mocked God. But it's, when it's written about Sarah and Abraham in Romans, And in Hebrews, they are of great faith. Why? Because after the cross, everything is written about me according to perfection. They said Abraham and Sarah were, he was a man of faith. But I looked in Genesis and he wasn't a man of faith. 
But after the cross, everything is written about me that I am holy, blameless, and above reproach. That's what heaven writes about me. Not because of my efforts, not because of my righteousness, but because of his righteousness. He became sin, he took on my fallen nature so that I could become righteous once again. But many of us have been given the gift of righteousness and we failed to put it on. How many of you have received a gift for your birthday or maybe Christmas? An amazing gift, but you've never once used it. I've been made righteous. It's amazing. I look at it, I talk about it, I confess it, but I never put it on. Oh, I love it, but I've never found myself complete in him. Put on Christ. How do I put on Christ? By identifying myself according to the finished work of the cross. By seeing myself the way God sees me. If I fail to see myself the way God sees me, I become, like Paul says, the very thing I don't want to do, I do. Many people are trying not to sin today but they keep identifying themselves according to that old nature. Let me tell you this, a tree only bears fruit of its kind. A righteous tree bears righteousness, a sinful tree, guess what it bears, sin. There's many people that are trying not to sin and, and, sin, and even when they do sin, they try to shame themselves because they don't like to sin, but they keep reverting back to the very thing they don't wanna do, why? Because they keep identifying themselves according to that old nature. That old nature is dead. I was crucified with Christ, that's not I who lives anymore. The life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God, by, in the faith, in the, the vantage point of God, of who I now am, now that Christ has come. But if we're not careful, I have many people come to me that are dealing with pornography, dealing with addiction, dealing with sin, dealing with all these different things, trying not to do it, hate the fact that they do it. They truly love God, but they continue to identify themselves according to that old nature. I tell my 11-year-old boy all the time, I said, buddy, if an apple tree bore apple or bore oranges, what would you think? He goes, Dad, that would be very strange. You, say, you ask me that too much. I've always given you the right answer, my 11-year-old says. I said, what does an apple tree bear? He says, apples. I said, does an apple tree have to bear, figure out how to bear apples? He says, no, it just does. I said, why does it just do it? Because that's what it is. It's an apple tree. Apple trees don't bear oranges. They bear apples. We would think it's very strange if an apple tree bore oranges. But if I continue to identify myself according to that old nature, guess what I bear? The fruit of that old nature. The very thing I try not to do, I continue to do. First John 4 talks about, First John, it talks about, hey, if you sin, not when you sin, if you sin. Not when, oh, you know, it's always gonna sin, Dr. Pete. No, actually, look at the word of God. If you sin, I have an advocate with the Father. I have a lot of people waking up hoping not to sin. The very thing they're hoping not to do, they do because they still identify themselves according to that other nature. I'm not hope, waking up hoping not to sin, I'm waking up enjoying my God and who I now am as a child of God, putting on righteousness. Not just receiving the gift, but actually putting it on. Not just looking at the gift, not just admiring the gift, but putting it on. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm holy, blameless, above reproach, and if you sin, I have an advocate with the Father, 
The enemy comes to bring shame, guilt, and condemnation. Some people say, well, I feel so much shame. Know this, that's from the enemy. But the fact that you feel shame should be a gift to you. What do you mean, Dr. Pete? Because it shows you that you're not illegitimate, that you're actually a legitimate child of the living God because for Christ, that never affected you. The fact that it affects you now, even though the enemy is bringing shame, the Spirit of God brings okay, a, a godly sorrow. Praise God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the other day, you know, even the woman at the well, it says, you know, he, he, Jesus read her mail, and then as she was leaving, he said, go and sin no more. How was he able to say that? Because she had an encounter with the living God. See, there's a world out there right now that doesn't know God. And what we've done is we're trying to call out their sin and expecting them to overcome it. We're identifying people according to their lifestyle and expecting them to overcome it. You are actually, you are prophesying over their life. You are solidifying in their life the very thing you're trying them, you're expecting them not to be, but you're speaking it over their life. There's death and life in the power of our tongue. Don't you think the body of Christ should start prophesying the goodness of God, prophesying and exposing people's worth and value, letting people know, but unless I have the heart of God, I'll never see from the vantage point of God. And unless I have the heart of God, see from the vantage point of God, grace doesn't have an opportunity to work in my life. Grace is the power of a transformed life. Grace is the power to make the reality of heaven the reality of my life on the earth. Grace is not something that's muster up. In fact, grace is not an endorsement of a self-centered life. Grace doesn't allow me to sin and get away from it. Grace is the power of a transformed life where I'm restored back into innocence, into the image of God, and I bear the image of God. I see from the vantage point of God, and heaven literally manifests, not because I was trying it, because it's who I now am as a child of God. But there's no faith outside of love. See, people are even prophesying over people, but they don't see a person from the heart of God. Then you should keep your mouth shut. People are, people are misinterpreting the gift of prophecy from the gift of discernment. Discernment might tell me that you're in this sin, but discernment doesn't mean I should prophesy, I call that thing out. Prophecy is I expose, I, I call you forth into your destiny. I reveal what was destined for your life, that there's potential on your life, that there's destiny on your life, there's a significance on your life. How do I know? Because the living God, while we were still sinners, decided that you were worth dying for. I'm reminded of John 8. It's a beautiful passage of the love of God. It's the adulterous woman. I shared it, I think, on Saturday, or sometime. Beautiful passage in reflection of the love of God. The religious of that day were calling out the sinner. We're a little bit threatened by Jesus' popularity, threatened by the fact that he was a friend of the sinner. They didn't expect the living God to come, the Messiah to come to be the friend of the sinner. They, came, he, they thought he was here to expose the sinner. That's what the body of Christ has started to do in the world, expose the sinner. That is not the heart of God. I promise you it's not the heart of God. Now, once I come to Christ, I'll tell you what, living in sin, seeing myself according to that old nature is bondage. It's, it leads to death. It doesn't satisfy only in God, but when I see myself according to how he sees me and I enjoy my God and put on Christ and wear it, I begin to produce the fruit of righteousness and holiness. The Pharisees and the religious of that day, they saw the woman according to what she had done, according to what she did wrong, and they used scripture to back up their position. Jesus was in the temple one day the Pharisees gathered a woman, found a woman caught in the act of adultery. They didn't get the man for some reason, but they found the woman. 
When Jesus was in the temple around people teaching the people because of an amazing, not just a storyteller, he was an amazing orator of the reality of who we now are as children of God. The religious of that day threw this woman caught in adultery at Jesus' feet. They said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. You can replace that for this day and age according to many different lifestyles. Jesus, she was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says she shall be stoned to death. What do you say, Jesus? Jesus doesn't respond. He gets down draws a line in the sand. They call him out again. They said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says she shall be stoned to death. What do you say? And instantly he stands up. He says, if any of you are without sin, by all means, you pick up the stone and execute her. He didn't find one person that was without sin. If you're gonna call out those lifestyles that are out there, by all means, you pick up the stone if you are without sin. By all means, you pick up the stone. If you are in and of yourself, Holy. I am holy because of his holiness, because of his righteousness, because of the price that he paid, not because of the price I paid. They all turned away. Curtail and ran, or whatever it's called. And she was left standing in his midst. He says, If they don't condemn you, either do I. How was he able to do that? Because the reality is, and I shared with you the other day, the reality is many scholars say he should have picked up that stone and executed her. She was guilty. Leviticus 20, verse 10, it says, A man or a woman who commits adultery shall be stoned to death. It's written in your Bible and it's written in my Bible. Prophet Ezekiel says, The soul that sins shall die. Apostle Paul says, The wages of sin is death. Yet Jesus doesn't execute that woman. He sends her home free. Why? Because at that very moment, he was on his way to the cross to die in her place, to take her sin, her shame, her sickness, the death sentence on her life, put it upon himself, and give her is peace, forgiveness, and eternal life. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you don't have to die and I don't have to die because somebody died in our place and his name is Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus who sees us according to our potential, our worth and value. He didn't come to condemn the world, he came to love and save the world. He didn't come to expose sinners, he came as an indictment against the sin that had tried to define our lives. He came to expose worth and value. The cross is an indictment against everything that tried to steal who we were as sons and daughters of the living God. Because when the price had to be paid, one sinner cannot die for another sinner. Only Jesus, born of a virgin, impregnated by the Spirit of God, had the authority to take her death sentence, die on a cross, go into the pits of hell, and redeem mankind. Because he was holy, and only through the shedding of blood is the remission of sins, and only Jesus shed his blood for your life and my life. It is Jesus. For he sees you as holy 
flawless, and restored. What does restored mean? There's no more indictment against your life. The price has been paid. I was the one on the chopping block. I'm reminded of a story my brother shared with me when I was in college. I owned a roofing company during the five months of the summer. Had about 20 guys working for me. I had gentlemen named the Rico brothers. My brother a few years ago asked me, he said, hey, did you hear about the Rico brothers? I said, no, what's going on? He said, well, I don't think you'd recognize them. They're a little bit deformed. I go, what do you mean they're a little bit deformed? He said, what they've been doing for a number of years is they've been going into games. And there's typically an initiation to get in a game, but there's also initiation to get out of a game. And many of the gang members, if you want to get out of a game, are beaten basically to death or almost to death. And so they began to go in and identify who wanted to get out of gangs, and they began to take the beatings for those gang members. Could you imagine if I was guilty, which I am in a gang, okay, and wanted to get out of that gang knowing everything that I've done, and all of a sudden some random dude who I've never met before comes and says, I will pay the penalty for that individual. Let me ask you this, if you're that individual who someone else takes the beating for me to be free and be redeemed from that gang, what would you do for that individual for the rest of your life? Would you not gladly give your life up for the Rico brothers who paid the price so you could get out of that gang? You would give them your whole life. You were the one on the chopping block, my friends. Even more than that, I was the one on the chopping block and the living God thought it was worth dying for. He took on my nature, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, so I could take on his nature. Why wouldn't I give every ounce of my life to him? It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. I left the shore. The prerequisite for coming to Christ wasn't praying a prayer. The prerequisite for Christ was, I deny that old life. I realized I wasn't created for that old life. That was a lie. I came to that aha moment that realized that my life was destiny. It was the goodness of God that caused me to turn from that old life and surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Say that life didn't satisfy. That life was not worth it. So I surrender my life to the living God. I said, Lord, here I am. And he said, come my son as you are. I've paid the price. I've shed my blood for your innocence once again. And every day it's a privilege to deny myself, pick up my cross, follow him. I'm crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. I die daily. People said, well, you're afraid about your life, Dr. Pete, when you go into the places that you go. No, I'm not afraid of my life. My life isn't my own. I left the shore. I'm a child of God. You can't kill a dead person. The grave can no longer hold me because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The grave cannot hold you. What are you afraid of? Are you really afraid of COVID-19? Are you afraid of dying? My life isn't my own. This life is no longer for me. Before Christ, I live at your expense for my benefit. But now in Christ, I was freed from that, and so now I live at your benefit at my expense. And it's a privilege. It's not burdensome. It's a joy. I'm here for you. I don't need an offering. I'm here for you. I don't need you to validate me. I'm here for you. I don't find my identity by if you, Dr. Pete's such a good man. I could care less. 
My life is for the glory of the Lord. I'm not here to appease man. I'm not even here to appease myself. I'm here for the glory of God, that he would manifest in my life, that when life squeezes me, you would get him. It's what I heard years ago. Something else is, I think Dan Moeller, somebody who's just such a reflection of the heart of God, he says, if you squeeze an apple and you get orange juice, you'd think that was strange, right? If you squeeze an apple, you get apple juice. But why is it that when a Christian gets squeezed, you don't get Christ? Shouldn't that be a dilemma? Shouldn't that be confusing for people? No wonder people don't want what you have because life squeezes you and all of a sudden you ducktail and run. What's going on? No wonder they don't want what we have. Until we come and understand faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance in Christ Jesus. How? Through the gospel, knowing who I am now that Christ has come, not just looking at the gift, celebrating the gift, but putting the gift on. I'm reminded of Romans 14, 13, 14. It says this, watch. Instead, fully immerse yourselves in the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. When I identify myself according to that old nature, guess what happens? It awakens those selfish desires. That's why every day I'm not waking up hoping not to sin, identify myself that way, waking up those selfish desires. Guess what happens when you see yourself that way? Guess what happens? You sin. The very thing you don't want to do, you do. Why? So I wake up every day enjoying my sonship, enjoying who I am. And if I do sin, thank God I have an advocate with my father. Thank God, Lord, that's not my old nature. Thank God, Lord, that even that I feel better because I'm not illegitimate. I'm a legitimate son. So I enjoy him. The price has been paid. The blood has been shed. I'm a child of the living God. Colossians 2 10 says this, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Jesus, I find myself complete in him. We serve the living God. He's amazing. We ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. I have a sense that there's some of you that are here tonight and you said, you know what, Dr. Pete? I hear what you say, I love what you say, but the things that I've done are they're just repulsive. I wouldn't want anyone to know what I've done. I wouldn't do that to the living God. I believe what you said, but I'm too filthy. Let me tell you this, the price has been paid even for the biggest of sins whether you've committed the most heinous crimes or sins, Jesus' blood is sufficient for you. And then there's some of you here today and you said, you know what, I've come here for a long time and, and I'm a good person. I've never done anything really heinous. I would say, great job, keep it up. But the point with God is not whether you committed 99 sins or 99 million sins. The point with God is that all of us have sinned and come short of relationship with the living God. And even today, if a little white lie is not washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that little white lie can send you to hell. I don't share with you hell to threaten you. I share with you hell because I love you. It's to warn you.
Jesus talked about hell as much as he talked about heaven, but it's not because he was threatening people, it's because he was warning those he loved so much he was a friend of sinners. My friends, the living God created you with destiny on your life, and those things that you've tried to satisfy and fulfill your life with, I promise you, and you know this firsthand, that they are not satisfying, they are fleeting, but the living God wants to satisfy you completely. He wants you to experience the fullness of who you were created to be as a son or a daughter of the living God. If you are here today with heads bowed and eyes closed and said, you know, Dr. Peter, I've never truly surrendered my life to the living God, then I'm gonna simply write where you're at to say, Lord, if you're here today and say, you know what, I wanna surrender my life, I'm ready. I realize that he came to redeem me, to restore me back to innocence again, and I'm ready for that. And I'm gonna ask you to simply slip up your hand right where you're at, heads bowed and eyes closed and say, I'm ready, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I see you. Who else? I see you. I'm gonna simply ask congregation that you would pray this prayer with me. See, salvation is a gift that you receive. Your parents can't get you into heaven. Coming to church can't get you into heaven. Being good enough cannot give you into heaven. Salvation is a gift. It's a, it's a gift from the living God because none of us can save ourselves. It's only the living God that has the capacity to save us. The Word of God says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart he was raised from the dead for you, then today you can enter into sonship or becoming a daughter of the living God. And so I'm simply gonna ask you to pray this after me and believe it in your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I realize that my life's significance can only be found in you. So today I surrender to you. I repent of my sins. And I make you Lord of my life. You are the living God. And from this day forward, I will serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, for those of you that have just prayed that prayer, I welcome you into the family of God. You are now a brother and sister in Christ. Heaven rejoices over you. There's nothing greater, it's the most holy moment of your life, but let me tell you this, that doesn't mean life's gonna be perfect, it just means that in the midst of the imperfections of life, God says, I will be the lily in the midst of the valley, I will be the bright spot in your life, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be your refuge, I will be your banner and protector, your strong tower. He, in fact, he says, he will be the peace in the midst of the storms of life. He doesn't say that he's gonna remove the fire from your life, he says he will be the Lord over the fire in your life, he will be the strong, he will be a strong tower in your life, he will wrap his favor around you as a shield. My encouragement is to get in the word of God and get to know Jesus. He is our example. He's the reality of heaven that's become flesh and dwelt among us. He's, he's, he's the embodiment of the reality. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You will find that he loves you. You will find that he paid the price for you. You will find that he continually exposes your worth and value. He has re-identified you, and now heaven doesn't write about your past. Heaven sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ, that the blood was paid. You are now innocent. You are restored back to innocence again. Tell one of the pastors um, before you leave, tell one of the staff that's here and let them help you on your journey to the most amazing, fulfilling life ever.
Jesus. I see my time is just about over and so let me pray with you. Before I pray with you, let me just tell you this, it was the greatest honor to be with you this weekend. It's something that I will cherish. If I never see you again, it's okay. We will see each other together forever in heaven. But if you do see me again, you will find that I'm more fired up for Jesus than I was today. If you ever hear, like Billy Graham once said, if you ever hear that I've been killed overseas or around the world or my head's been cut off, don't feel sorry for me. I'm not dead. I'm more alive than ever before. Celebrate the fact that my life was given for the living God. In fact, I have a vision that comes to me constantly with a gentleman sitting next to me on the right. His face is blurted out, blocked just simply because, so I don't identify who that person is. And a guy is coming to cut our heads off. We we're on our knees, and it makes me feel giddy, actually, every time I think about it. It's like with the joy to be a son of the living God, that my life would be used for the glory of God, that my life is his. It's no longer my own. I've been crucified with Christ. I've left the shore. I'm not coming home. My life was risen with Christ Jesus. That is amazing. I covet your prayers when it comes to the gospel that's going forth. Right now, we are doing virtual crusades. In fact, in October, I will do 20 virtual crusades in three nations of the earth. Nations are being added each and every day. Last month, I think we saw 10,000 people come to Christ virtually from my living room. The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the paralyzed are walking. We put 6,000 Bibles in people's hands last month alone around the world. For about $7, people are coming to know Christ and they're getting a Bible put in their hands, which is amazing. So they get to experience their new life in Jesus Christ. Right now we are looking at infiltrating the, the America and the world with chiropractic clinics. For what reason? So we can infiltrate culture to meet a need to earn a right to share Jesus Christ and fund the gospel. I don't need anything from you. Simply everything we do is for the sake of people knowing him. Everything goes into the gospel. Everything that we do, the power that God's given us is for one purpose, to advance the kingdom of God and establish the covenant of God on the earth. We are children of the living God. But my friends, I don't find my worth and value by the fact that I win people to Christ. I find my worth and value by the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me, that the price was paid for me, that the price they got on my head was the blood of Jesus Christ. That is sufficient enough. I find my identity in the fact that I'm a son, and everywhere I go, I get to express him. So it doesn't matter if I'm in on a crusade somewhere. It doesn't matter if I'm in my clinic. It doesn't matter if I'm here. Every day is amazing because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know that's good. I could go till seven tonight, but then pastor would be a little bit anxious a little bit. So let me, uh, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I come before you, Lord, and I just thank you for the privilege of simply being your son. I thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I thank you for Pastor David and Shirley. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for just the call of God in their life. I thank you for everyone that's here, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that they were created with destiny. I thank you that they were created in the image and likeness of God. I thank you that you've come to redeem them from themselves. I thank you that our issues are not somebody else, they're us. And so, Lord, free us from ourselves. Lord, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we would begin the 
to have the grace to see others according to how you see them, Lord. That we would be the ones, and when we speak into people's lives, it come from a place of the heart of God and the love of God. It's the most excellent way. Lord, just continue to allow us to see this world the way you see us. Let us see another political party the way you see them, Lord. Not according to what we think they've done wrong, but according to their worth and value. It's the goodness of God that brings a person to repentance. And Lord, for us that are sons and daughters of the living God, give us the grace to celebrate who we now are as children of God, that we're holy, blameless, and above reproach, that the fruit of our life would be righteousness, it'd be holiness, Lord, that we put away those things, Heavenly Father, those sins that easily entangle us, Lord, Lord, that we put away that old life, Lord, we're resurrected again with you. And now, Lord, I just simply lift up everyone that's here right now, no matter what they're dealing with, Heavenly Father, any mindset contrary to truth, Lord, that the word of God would come into their life like a hammer and fire and destroy mindsets contrary to truth. You said we shall know truth and truth will set us free. Lord, open up the eyes of our understanding that they'd be enlightened. Give us wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of you. Lord, allow love and faith to rise within us as we access our inheritance in the heavenly places through the gospel, who we now are as children of God. Let the gospel become the reality of our life. Let it become what we're most passionate about, Heavenly Father, who we are now that Christ has come. Lord, I thank you that greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world and the same spirit that raised Jesus that raised you from the dead resides within us. Lord, that the spirit of God, spirit of God, that you would activate your body to do great and mighty exploits in the name of Jesus Christ, that we would be the ones that go and bring the kingdom of God to the earth, that we would be the ones that lay hands on the sick and see them recover, that we would be the ones that cast out demons, that we would be the ones that release the fire of God to burn up any residue that's not of you. We honor you, we bless you, we magnify you. Spirit of God, come now. Come and move in people's bodies. Come and do what only you can do. We thank you that there's nothing too hard for you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that what man seems as impossible is not with God, for with God all things are possible. Be it unto your servants according to your word, Lord Jesus. Be it unto the Lord that I speak the peace of God, the mind of Christ, Lord, that we would walk in it, Lord, that we walk in the authority and the power that you've given us over all the power of the enemy. I thank you that, Lord, that you are not small, that you are not distant, Lord, but our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing our God cannot do. I thank you, Lord, that you made a public spectacle of the enemy 2,000 years ago, rendered him powerless, Lord. You made a public spectacle of the enemy, and I thank you, Heavenly Father, that he's under our feet. Lord, I thank you that you've given us authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. You give us all authority over all the power of the enemy. Lord, I thank you that in the name of Jesus Christ, that every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every spirit, Lord, every my, Lord, every spirit of depression I command to go in the name of Jesus Christ. Every spirit of anxiety and schizophrenia and bipolar I command to go in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for Lord, anything, Lord, those that are having sleep disturbances, I command serotonin and dopamine levels, Heavenly Father, to normalize in the name of Jesus Christ. Those that are having attention issues, Lord, I command the hippocampus to enlarge, and I command, Heavenly Father, for the ability to focus and learn, Heavenly Father, be recreated now, Lord. Those that are having memory issues, Heavenly Father, I break every spirit of dementia, of Alzheimer's, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thank you for the wisdom of God in the mind of Christ. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for digestive issues being recreated now for the glory of God. Not only are you healing things, Lord, I thank you for wisdom, Heavenly Father, and how to steward over the temple of God. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us fresh revelation to finish the race well, giving us the grace to be prudent, wise in practical matters, Lord. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for just continuing to enlighten our understanding. You said, above all, get understanding. I thank you for releasing a spirit of understanding, Lord, a spirit of wisdom right now upon your body. I thank you, Heavenly Father, right now for, Lord, someone's vocal cords, Lord, are, have been damaged. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for healing those vocal cords now in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Lord, that healing virtue would flow like a river. I, I see someone that you have sepsis, uh, like infection too, like a MRSA, a staph. I thank you, Lord, that you're healing that infection now in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you that inflammation is bowing its knee to the name of Jesus. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that joints that are riddled with arthritis, Heavenly Father, that the range of motion is coming back now. I thank you for those that wake up with pain, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for touching their bodies now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for impartation of just of your anointing, Lord. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the anointing of God. I thank you for Jesus, Lord. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for just, just allowing us to experience through intimacy you like never before. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for dreams and visions, Lord, in the night hour. I thank you, Spirit of God, for doing what only you can do. I thank you, for Father, for birthing, Lord, destiny within our life, impregnating us with vision, opening up the book of remembrance in our life, Lord. Those things that have gone dormant, Lord, those things that you've called us to, Heavenly Father, I thank you for bringing those to the surface once again. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in the body. I thank you for all that you're doing in America. I thank you for all that you're doing in the world. I call for it. This is the day of salvation. I honor you. I bless you. I magnify you. I glorify you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I see someone that you've been trying to have a child, whether you're watching or you're here today, and it's been a struggle for you and your spouse. Let me tell you this, that God right now is touching your womb, recreating. He's normalizing estrogen, progesterone levels in the name of Jesus Christ. There's a gentleman with low T levels that God is touching that testosterone right now, bringing that body back to homeostasis for the glory of God. There's someone that's here with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and God is touching you right now. He's breaking that mindset. He's breaking that connection right now, that neuroplastic pattern. God is healing you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thank you, Lord, that an issue of blood is drying up right now. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for normalizing blood sugar. There's individuals that you've been struggling with weight, you've been struggling with blood sugar issues, and God is touching your system, touching right now the, the pancreas. There's someone that would type one diabetes. God is touching your pancreas now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I thank you for restoring the joy of our salvation. I thank you for the freedom. I thank you for the peace. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the anointing of God. I thank you, Heavenly Father, from this day forward, Lord, we would enjoy this life, enjoy what you're doing in the midst of the storms of life, that we'd find complete freedom and liberty in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Bless you guys. It was an honor to be with you. I will see you in eternity, if not before. Bless you.